0: Uh, In order to start talking about revival, I first want to pray uh, with you and have you pray. I'm hoping because this is also the same prayer that was used on the booklet for the prayer and fasting. Um, I'm praying this every morning. I'm telling you, I've just gotten up every morning more excited. And uh, I look forward to praying this. I, I, as I was praying, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, I was thinking about the fact that you and I can only listen or think about one or two things at a time, which is our max, and God has seven billion and it just came to me how you, there are no words for God. There are no words. Because can you imagine the, the, I mean, we don't have a computer who can listen to 7 billion people at a time. We do? Oh, well, okay. So my point is this, God is amazing, and why don't you join with me, hopefully you have it now in front of you, Uh, Prayer for Revival, February 2023. I pray that we will be, uh, this is a all of us, all, I pray that we will be passionate, in these 21 days of prayer and fasting as we cry out to you for powerful anointing to fall on us, our family, our congregation, and our community. I pray that our hunger for you would be greater than ever before. May our prayer life be strong, fortifying and securing our relationship with you. May we be filled with your love and compassion to strengthen our confidence that you are with us at all times. May we abide in you. May your word be lodged in our hearts. We pray that we will understand your word with more clarity and be excited about applying it daily to our lives. Let us have such a great sense of your presence that we will find ways to speak to everyone we come in contact with about your good news and the opportunity to live a life filled with your love. Let our excitement about our close relationship with you be undeniable and infectious. May everything we do and everything we say bring your glory. You have told us to be the salt of the earth and a light to the nations. May we fulfill your desire for us with consistency and faithfulness. This is our heart. May the power of your ruach be upon us in such a meaningful way that we will be successful in your eyes, so that you will say to us, well done, good and faithful servants. We love you. I believe that's a prayer that can be said at least once a day to the Lord, uh, because even if... Your burden and your heart isn't there yet. One of the beauties about reading something is, over and over, that it becomes your burden. God puts it into your heart. And so where you feel that I'm not good enough or I can't say this prayer or whatever, but the, the actual doing it is out of obedience, and obedience brings that burden, that, that the revival burden. Now, this is a booklet— um I have in this booklet the acceleration prayer we're not going to read that you we've read it a number of times before um, there is uh had some problems with the computer but at any rate so you'll see some random numbers possibly floating around but um if you look at the the inside page, the, the second one, where it starts, it says revival at the top. And one of the things I really liked was uh, on Facebook, you'll see that I give credit to the gal who wrote this. Um, she writes down what has been going on from her perspective. Uh, she didn't... F- Put down the fact that Cheresh David is going through prayer and fasting right now, but you know what can I say? So she says this morning, as I reflect on these early weeks of two thousand and twenty three I have a sense of stirring of God in our nation. It began on January second when Monday night football came to a halt, and our nation began to pray and I really thought that was very interesting that she mentioned that because um, You know, we we see that God can use everything for good, and so this tragic accident to this fellow who, it's a blessing to see that he's recovering, and that he's recovered a good portion, and, and... What a what that's so great, but the entire nation. I mean, media people were talking about praying to God. I mean, everybody was talking about praying to God for this guy. It was like the entire country was praying. You could have called a national day of prayer and you wouldn't have had as many people praying as you had for this football player. So, all of a sudden, God took the public square. And this is an amazing thing. So, But when it was happening, probably none of us were thinking revival. You know, none of us were probably thinking, oh, this is great, you know, God. You know, we were caught in the moment, but this is how God works. We don't always have our eyes open to what he's doing. So, and then it says... A few weeks later, it talks about Jim Garlow hosting the National Gathering for Prayer and Repentance. Then the next paragraph, and then the Super Bowl. Two Christian quarterbacks kneeling in prayer before the game. Two commercials were aired about Jesus. uh, You know, so there was all of this, again— People watching, I don't know how many people watch the Super Bowl, but they were aware, again, that the, there are people who have a platform who are using it to share their faith without even speaking. But they are sharing their faith, and in many cases, they speak as well. And then, of course, we have what's going on in Kentucky uh, at the Asbury University, which... Uh, a number of us have friends who have been there already. Uh, a couple of the Messianic rabbis have been there. Because what's happening is when you know God is moving, you want to be there. You want to be in the middle of it. Uh, and, and so it makes sense. Uh, there's a quote um, that we had in yesterday's prayer and fasting devotional from, uh, what's his name, Ravenhill. Um, And he said something about that you don't have to call anybody to a fire. Because everybody is running to the fire. And if our congregation is on fire, people will run to it. We won't have to tell people. They'll know. They'll know. And this is what revival will do. Let me give you a few personal examples of revival. So... As many of you know, I accepted the Lord at age 18 and um, just because I watched the movie The Greatest Story Ever Told, nobody had ever shared with me before. I had no understanding of anything Um, and and as a Jewish guy, uh, I didn't even understand Judaism because in the synagogue we didn't talk that much about God and scripture. I know that's weird, but that's the way it was. So um, you have to deal with it. At any rate, so I kind of wandered aimlessly, knowing I was a believer but I was wandering aimlessly for about seven years or so, and I had gotten married, and my wife um, comes from a Methodist background, and of course she backslid because she was at the University of Maryland for four years. And so, not a good place for believers. And so when we met each other, we knew we were both believers, but we were not really walking with the Lord. So we were singing, we were both singing at this one church, and let me explain, um, You, in, in that period of time, maybe it's still true, the paid choir was in the deadest churches. Okay, you understand, because they had to have something that made the churches alive, right? And so that they would bring in soloists, and singers, so that they'd have this most glorious music, and that was their being alive. Well, we were in one of those. It happened to be an Episcopal church, and we had a paid job, my wife and I, singing, and I can picture it as if it was today. It, 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 you know, unlike this, which is sort of a in the round kind of thing, um, it was a long hall, and right here on the right, and we were up front because we were singers, and right up here, there were at least 10 or 15 people who actually looked like they wanted to be there. The rest of the congregation was dead. Uh, And of these 15 people, the pastor not being one of them, It's true. The assistant pastor was there. I remember his name. I I mean, I just remember he and his wife, uh, just uh, again. And so me being a little... And this is right... This is in revival time, okay? This is in the early 70s, right? I think it would have been 73 or 74. So this is right in the middle of the Jesus movement. And... Uh, so i never done this before. I go up to the assistant pastor, and I say, you have something that I want, and I don't know what it is. And so he said, well, my wife and I will come to visit you and your wife, and we'll pray over you. Okay, go for it. So they came over, prayed for us, and we were never the same after that. I mean, it just instantaneously, God touched us. We were literally revived. Even though we were believers prior to that, we weren't really believers. I mean, if that makes sense. We weren't walking with the Lord. There are other times, um, my daughter being in the room, she'll probably disagree with the way I tell this story, in fact, all my stories, my family disagrees with. They, they, they don't, there's always something I say wrong. But my first year of teaching in Philadelphia at Halutzim Academy, which was a messianic day school, um, where I was also the principal and so on, and I, I, you know, I kept teaching for the entire year and I could not figure out which of these kids were believers? I just couldn't figure it out. Uh, you know, they were growing up and believing homes, but I didn't see any fruit from pretty much most of them. And so I said, okay, I'm going to have, at the end of the year, I'm going to have something called Profession Day. And that means those of you who believe, the, you, you kids from 12th grade down to... I guess we were thinking, I think, third or fourth grade, something like that. Uh, So I taught for about three weeks, two weeks about it. And um, so there's this one guy, pretty precocious guy. And uh, I taught about it, and I told him what we were going to do. We were going to have a special assembly where uh, people, the kids, will be able to profess their faith. And um, this one guy put up on my door, of the classroom door, 95 reasons why this was bad. You know, obviously a Martin Luther reference, in terms of, you know, the fact that I was creating something that should happen organically uh, and i but i taught and i said uh, his name was matt yes and and so i said matt i am i, I see that you don't agree with this so i'm going to ask you to go first And he said, oh, no, 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 no. He went first, and the power of God's Spirit just fell. And within the next hour, people were going up there and repenting. There was crying going on in the, in the room. It was a most amazing time. It, it, what I thought was going to be a one-hour thing ended up two days. And... Uh, so, now, here's what I'd like to tell you about revival from my experience. Because I also did some things with teens and college age, and all of a sudden there was a revival there. And, and But here's the, here's the thing. Sometimes you think you have to go to Asbury or wherever to experience revival. And that's true. But sometimes you don't. But you do have to make yourself available for the possibility. And generally, revival doesn't take you by force. Okay? It is something that you hear about or you see, and all of a sudden God opens your heart and you are touched. The key is to not walk around with a closed heart closed eyes and say well I know it was really weird when we went to this place because people were falling and they were doing this and they were doing that so I'm going to tell your story okay Uh, sure sure so we're in the car and I don't know how old you were 17 16 18 what high school yeah I think so too And we're going to this revival church, right? Happened to be, uh, I guess revival was in the black community. So this was this huge black church we were going to. And and there were a couple people who were, I guess, nationally known, who were going to speak. And, And this was all about revival. On the way to this meeting, and by the way, uh Jonathan Burness was at that, wasn't he? Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure he was because he prayed for the Russia thing and yeah. Anyway, so on the way there, we're in the car, my wife and I and Becca, and uh Becca says, you know, I really don't want to go here. Uh you know, it's gonna be some crazy people. You know, they're gonna be falling, they're gonna be doing all they're gonna be speaking whatever they 're doing it 's crazy you know I know what this looks like don 't want anything to do with it well we 're in the car let 's just go let 's see let 's see what happens because my understanding is you you just you just seek whatever God has for you any anyway, rate and I, as i 've said before i 'm what we call a uh, Conservative charismatic. So I don't know if there's such a thing, but I've invented it because, because it speaks of who I am. And I I've just got to be honest, right? So I'm pretty conservative. I don't like a lot of flailing and a lot of craziness, and I guess my daughter is something like me, I thought. (laughs) We get in there, and I think it was Jonathan Burness at that point calling uh, the youth down who have a burden from God to travel and do missions and stuff like that. So my shy little girl who just trust me very shy all of a sudden goes running down there i say okay let's see what happens 5 or 10 minutes later she's on her back wailing she was ha- she had rings on every finger they were going everywhere i'm thinking this is like a dead cockroach you know you know what is it- this is what happened to my daughter who said no. And all that, you know, and, and, but here's what happened. What happened was for the next four or five years, Becca was in Russia each year uh, with missions and, and working, sometimes singing and dancing, other times in security. Uh, she ends up, in, in Israel, and stays 15 years. Uh, you know, that's what God does. That's what God does. You have to be open. You, and, and, and look, I, when I say open, only a little bit, because I've said I'm a conservative charismatic, so I'm, I'm, my opening is about this much. But on the other hand, I, I want what God does wants for me and I want what God wants for you and so I tell you this and I have some other stories too which I don't really have time for but I just want you to understand that God well let let's let's look at the last page uh, i now the back page Let me tell you that it begins the page before under the word testimony and both, and and Becca actually posted this from Madison Pierce on Facebook and I saw it and I said, oh, this is amazing. So one of the things, um, you know what, let's start with the bottom, go to the second to last page. And let's start at the bottom where it says the movements of the spirit. Okay? So listen to this. This is really done well. The movements of the spirit in Western uh, evangelicalism always exist in the middle of a cultural moment. A generous interpretation of these movements reveal unique traits for each one. For example, fervor for the Great Commission at the Mount Hermon Conference, overwhelming joy in Toronto, in the Toronto outpouring, zeal for the lost in Brownsville Revival, acts of healing at the Kansas City Awakening, um and manifestations of tongues at the Azusa Street Revival. In each move of the Spirit, God clearly manifests in a specific way for that generation. I find it interesting that God would mark this outpouring, speaking about Asbury, with the following. A tangible sense of peace for a generation with unprecedented anxiety. A restorative sense of belonging for a generation amidst an epidemic of loneliness. An authentic hope for a generation marked by depression. A leadership emphasizing protective uh, humility in relationship with power for a generation deeply hurt by the abuse of religious power. And a focus on participatory adoration for an age of digital distraction. So that really touched me. That really spoke to me. Uh, In fact, read the whole article, the whole testimony. It it was really great. Inside this, uh, now I've asked you to go back to um, the second page or the inside under where we read Revival. Just a couple things that I wanted to bring to your attention, and I hope you go through the entire booklet and all the stuff that I've given you today because... The more you start reading about this, the more you understand that this is for everybody, you're going to get excited. You're going to wake up in the morning ready to pray. You're going to wake up early in the morning, earlier than you want to. Pray, uh, to In fact, if you pray that God will work you, uh, wake you up early, be careful because he's going to wake you up early and you're going to pray. So uh, just be careful what you pray for any rate, at the bottom it says Jonathan Edwards, and the reason I used him was because he was part of the first revival in the United States. So that's 703 to 758, where he lived, and he talks about um, what he considered the true signs of revival, is what is happening, causing people to love God more, uh, causing people to love Yeshua more. Um, that they are faithful in their doctrinal understanding, and it is uh, what's happening, uh, causing people to hate sin, uh, both in the culture and in their own lives. So, turn the page. Uh, A couple other characteristics that I thought of, in terms of revival, greater love for God, greater seeking for God's holiness, greater desire for God's word, greater desire for congregational fellowship, greater conviction of personal and corporate sin, greater spirit of humility, greater need for repentance, greater need for growth, greater opening to supernatural faith and miracles, greater obedience to God and his word, greater ability to break the power of the world, greater ability to make God number one in our lives, a spiritual new beginning." So I, I give you this, and I read it to you, rather than giving you my traditional messages, because I feel that each of these things has something that, if you will rep- repetitively go over at home these next seven days, are going to be like somebody has shining a light in in your in your head. You know, the light bulb will go off, and and God will be so much more real and so much more alive than ever before. I love Ephesians three sixteen to 19. Uh, why don't you read it with me? You see it right under there? I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with power through his ruach, so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to grasp with all the kiddushim what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Great revival scripture, I believe, of of what revival looks like, Uh, within us, uh, that we are filled up with all the fullness of God. That would be an amazing revival just there. I think that we have to throw away our preconceived ideas of what revival is. That's why I read that other portion before, because some of you have bad feelings about revival, and that's stopping you from being revived. God will deal with you or the congregation the way he wants to. Let's not put something on God and say, it has to have this. Let's just say, Lord, I'm open. Do something in me. Make it new. Make it powerful. Make it something that changes my life. As Moody says, it's not for information. It's for transformation. And we need to be transformed by the power of God's spirit, which is part of revival. I've given you a little history on here uh, of the uh, some of the great um, revivals in this country. And if you turn the page... Uh, and you go to the one that says charismatic and renewal. I was doing this yesterday in our in our dinner, our Shabbat dinner, and I realized that it was something that I spoke of, but I didn't have it written down. So. I wrote it down this morning and popped it in which is the last line the messianic movement was birthed in the early 70s from a prophetic calling in Romans 11:25 to 26 and Luke 21:24 Won't go over those scriptures now. I've done it many times, but if you don't know what those scriptures are and why Messianic Judaism is a prophetic calling from God, then read those scriptures on your own and see what God is doing. This is uh, an amazing time for a college to have, I don't know if it's still going on today, it is? So this would be, I think, the 11th day of continuous service. I mean, obviously people are going home and coming back, but the service hasn't stopped. And they are still, from my my understanding, filled up. And now they're getting people from all 50 states. They're getting people from other colleges, which do you know our colleges need? Just saying. So, you know, I'm praying, and I want you to pray in these last seven days for revival. Uh, when we do the counting of the Omer after uh, Passover, I've decided to do it just on revival. And so that devotional 50 days of, 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 of looking at revival. So we, we need to be aware that God is doing something. What he's doing, who knows? Uh, But he's doing something. Uh, People are coming from really around the world to this little college, and it's really the second time that revival has begun there. As you read this history, you'll find that out. So uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, Just want you to be aware of it. Let me finish with a couple scriptures, which you don't have in front of you. Um, When I think of revival, I think of, believe it or not, Psalm 19, verse 8. And that is, the Torah of Adonai is perfect, restoring the soul. So God's Word restores our soul. That's revival. When our soul is revived, that is restored, that's revival. Psalm 80, verse 18 to 20. Let your hand be upon the man of your right hand, the son of man you made strong for yourself. This is the, the yours are God. Then we will not turn away from you, revive us, and we will call on your name. Adonai Elohei Tzivaot, restore us. Make your face shine, and we will be saved. Now, there's a lot in there to talk about. Let me just read a few more scriptures. You know... There are so many. Uh, Certainly the Ezekiel 37 passage of dry bones is all about revival. Uh, Habakkuk, Isaiah 57, 15, uh, that's an interesting one. For thus says the high and exalted one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in a high and holy place, yes, also with a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite. That's where God wants us. Uh, Let me close maybe with, um, do I even have it here? Yes, no. I wanted to close with a scripture that I was just thinking about is, uh, well, this is time for the phone, right? Okay, uh, so this is um, Isaiah 1. So let's see if I can get there quickly. Isaiah 1, I believe, is the revival of Isaiah. And he starts out, it says, The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Verse 2. Listen, heavens, and hear earth, for Adonai has spoken. Sons I have raised and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Wait a minute. Is this? This isn't the one. Isaiah 6, thank you. Okay. In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw Adonai sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. Each had six wings, and two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. One called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai Tsevaot. The whole earth is full of his glory. Then the posts of the door trembled at the voice of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Then I said, oy to me, for I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I am dwelling among a people of unclean lips. And I think the first part of revival is really knowing how big God is and how small we are. And, and this is what really Isaiah is saying. I, I, I can't hold a candle here. I'm in your presence, and, and you are beyond what I can even understand. And, and so it, he says then, um, for my eyes have seen the king, Adonai Tzivahot. Now, again, My understanding of this would be it would be in his dream he saw Yeshua. Because how do you see God unless it's God in the flesh? Because the God who can listen to 7 billion people at one time is going to be hard to see. Just saying. Okay. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a glowing coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Normally, when we see glowing coal, a coal, we would be scared in fear. And sometimes surrendering to God is scary Because you're saying, my life is no longer my own. I'm going to be directed by the Lord. He touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins are atoned for. Then I heard the voice of Adonai saying, whom should I send? Whom? And who will go for us? So I said, Hineni, send me. One of the results of revival is for us to say, Hineni, send me. Let me close in prayer for this, and then we'll we'll worship together. Father, I just ask now in the name of Yeshua that... you would do something beyond what we can believe for, expect for, understand, but that it would be a true revival. It doesn't have to look like Asbury. It doesn't have to look like Toronto. It doesn't have to look like Kansas City. It just has to look like your presence is with us and that we are transformed. So, Father, however you want to do this, I pray in the name of Yeshua, move mightily upon us. We bless you and thank you, Lord, in the name of Yeshua.